0: Happy Friday, everybody! Welcome back to Coast to Coast. We are here Friday morning, April fifteenth. Half the playing is done tonight. We have the last two playing games. It is six a.m. Allergy season is in full swing. I don't even know what I sound like right now. Ronan, you want to take it from here? I need a sec. I need to drink my coffee.
1: Man, you got a you got a nice deep voice. I'm liking it. <laughs> this is my playoff
0: voice. Just wait until you hear my Tom Thibodeau Tom Thibodeau voice. If he can't give it during the uh, the playoffs for the next, I'll have to give it here on the pod.
1: Exactly. We need we need we need we need something in there from us. You know. Well, it's 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 been how we thought really so far. I think uh, I think in terms of the the plan, the manner of each matchup was. Went to fairly descript, but the nine ten games they were they were the interesting one. There was there was almost an element of statement wins for both both Atlanta and and the New Orleans Pelicans.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I want to say right there, the Pelicans. I think that is the most that is the biggest statement that I've seen so far in the, in the plan. Um, I mean, what do you think of their of their win over the Spurs? I, for me. It didn't come down to like an expected win for the Spurs, but I, I did feel like the there there was there was going to be an advantage to to their to their team defense to Greg Popovich pushing that narrative to the team. I, I don't know. I thought they would have played a little bit more together than they were, but it was it was an impressive win for the Pelicans, but it felt like a deflating loss for the Spurs, who just didn't seem in it all game, and we can get into what the pelicans did in particular but i mean the spurs just looked outmatched talent-wise and they looked out hustled at times and they did have a good push in the fourth quarter but uh they didn't seem like teams that were on the same level during that matchup
1: no no it looked like the spurs kind of gave their all just making sure that they they beat la to the uh to that last playing spot and then they were they were almost they're almost done once it actually came to the, the actual playing game and again then with the pelicans you just see the the impact that cj mccollum had that was that was a big difference maker that was a that was a really really important trade for them and he's the guy that gives them that real chance of now getting that eight seed. I don't think I still don't think they're gonna do anything against Phoenix if they get that eight seed, but I think they've got a real strong chance of going up against the Clippers.
0: Yeah, I mean it McCollum, you said it. he scored 27 to 32 points in the first half. I mean, he just really set the tone. He really set the tone. He was getting after it, he's getting good spots, he was getting in the basket, and he was fearless. And I think you just need that example of those veteran guys to be coming in and to be performing like that. And BI did the same thing. Brandon Ingram had a really, really impressive game, and I think it's awesome that you know Willie Green has really empowered him to, to really set himself as the guy at times, and that's been that's been huge. I think Brandon Ingram has had his moments. You know, he had his first All Star appearance a couple of years ago, and you know, there hasn't been that linear progression like people have expected, but you know he hasn't gotten credit this year for being as good as he has. You know, that 27 points off 11 of 19 shooting, no threes. I mean, he's just become a pure, pure mid-range scorer. Um, and you got to give the same credit to JV, Valance Yunus. I mean, he's, his presence in the paint continues to be undervalued because he brings so much to the table for the Pelicans. I mean, he's, he's no Jokic. He's no Embiid. But outside of those two guys, I'm going to say, like, I don't think there, there are you – can, you can make your arguments, but who's a better post-scorer than Jonas Valence out of those two guys? Like He's really going to punish the Clippers here, I think. And I think this is going to be a very interesting matchup for what Ty Lue decides to do. Because you look at this team, and you also look at what the Pelicans did with Herb Jones, with Jose Alvarado with their defense, how locked in they were, how much effort they played with. I mean, people are going to look at the Spurs team and say, "Wow, well, DeJounte Murray had one of the worst games of the season. That's why they lost. Well, he had one of his worst games of the season because Herb Jones is all over the guy. I mean, he's continued to look like an elite defender as a rookie. And I have no doubt he's going to be on an all-defensive team very soon, very soon. So how do you think they match up? When you look at them uh, playing the Clippers tonight, where do you think they have the advantage?
1: I think they have I'm a, a, um, almost a more balanced Offense and just a a really well-rounded team. I think that's what that's what this Pelican team have been built around. Obviously, there's been a bit of commotion throughout the season and everything going on with Zion and that. But since since McCollum's come in, they've looked like a really well-balanced outfit on both ends of the court, and I think they've definitely got enough to worry this Pelican or this Clippers team, and. If Paul George goes on run, on, a, on a barren run like he did against the Timberwolves, I think the Pelicans could end up getting getting a comfortable W here.
0: Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'll go comfortable, but I do feel confident they're going to win this, and I'll, I'll tell you why. I mean, the, number one, um, like, let's just let's address the obvious answer that everyone's going to say. I mean, the Clippers just lost to the Timberwolves team couldn't get a game, good game out of Cat. So they're definitely going to come out swinging here and they should beat this young Pelicans team. You know, it's cute. They beat the Spurs, but the Spurs suck. But look at the Pelicans even tell me they don't have a chance. Because again, Jonas Valanciunas, you're not going to play him like he played Cat. You put Kevin Covington on him. You put Batum on him. You put Marcus Morris on He's going to score on all of them. And he's going to start causing problems in the paint. He's going to start really drawing two defenders. You're going to have to figure things out on that end. And I mean, Paul George, is he really going to go on a run with Herb Jones play the way he is? I, I'm not going to bet on the rookie stopping him all night long, but Paul George is going to have his work cut out for him playing against Herb Jones. And that, that's the beautiful thing about this guy because you know, he's not going to put out crazy stats, but he truly has made stars work for their shots. I mean, that's just all you can do against players like Paul George. And meanwhile, you know, I mean, the Clippers defense has been good, but how, how much are you going to stop CJ and Brandon Ingram? because both of them have been really on and you've got to stop both of them. And I think that's that's the beauty of this team right now and how well balanced they are, like you said, is that they have a two-pronged attack on offense and they're going to be able to keep up with whatever Reggie, Paul George and the rest of their squad is going to do. But Clippers bench, I think it'll come down to how how well is the Clippers bench going to perform against the, the Pelicans here? Because they have been a huge boon for them. They could have a big night, depending on if the young guys for the Pelicans continue to stay locked in. But I'll tell you what, I think this is going to be a coming out party for all those young guys. And you got to give credit to Willie green. Cause he's got them playing out of their minds. I mean, every time they go out there they look confident, they look like they know what they're doing, whether it's Trey Murphy, whether it's Najee Marshall. I mean, they're, they're all, they've all been really impressive the second half of the season. And I think they're getting out there and get the dub.
1: So we both, we both in agreement then we're both going yes, to, for New Orleans tonight.
0: Yes, Sir, let's go uh, Hawks Hornets tonight or Hawks Hornets the other night, rather. And, uh, Hawks will be playing for their lives again tonight. Um, what do you think about their win over Charlotte?
1: Impressive. It uh, was it was just what the Hawks are are always going to be capable of doing. Just going off on the offensive end it was, it was the third quarter where they went off for what forty two points. It was just it was it was unbelievable. And the way this team is built, they're always capable of doing that, especially with a, with a lead guy like uh, like Trey Young. And it's just a question of finding that consistency. But against Charlotte, they had their number from the first tip, and they just went out there and took every advantage that they could. It was it was very impressive from Atlanta.
0: Yeah, I think Atlanta not only the offense, but uh, you got to really give credit to their defense. They were really able to stop Charlotte inside, which is, I mean, that's that was the whole thing. That was the whole thing. Is can they? Can they? Be responsible with the ball, not let Charlotte get out into the break, and stop them from just attacking the rim at will. And they did that. I mean, for, for a team that's really had a tough time defending consistently all year long, I think that they're going to be a team that benefits from the playoffs. You know, they're a team that made a deep run last year, and all the comments from the beginning beginning the year from this team were about you know they're adjusting to getting back into the regular season and trying to care about it. Trey Young talking about how it's different to compete in the regular season when you've been to the playoffs. So I think, I think they're a team that will get a boost from just focusing on that end of the floor and their bench played well. I mean, they didn't have Lou Williams. They outscored the Charlotte bench 40 to 24. And you said the 40 points in the 42 points in the first quarter, 72 points in the second half. I mean, they had Charlotte figured out and they were able to get their three point shooters open and, and, Look at the Andre Hunter. He's healthy. He was a big X factor. Nine to sixteen from the field. A lot of it off the bounce, especially when Trey was getting doubles. Trey did not have an efficient game, but the other guy stepped up.
1: Yeah, big time. And I think uh, one one worry for Charlotte is another another disappointing uh, performance in, in in a big game from from Lamelo. I mm-hmm. think he struggled in the play in last year. He, he struggled again this. That's something he's gonna have to work on. Teams are obviously finding a way to figure him out. He's got to, he's got to be able to take that that next leap to 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 almost be be unguardable if he wants to be the lead guy and the lead star for the Charlotte team.
0: Yeah, I think it was it was difficult. The you know the Hawks were the Hawks. I think did a really good job of shutting down what they were good at, and I think that the Hornets they've done this all year long. They've really thrived. Off of being in the open court. And you know, Atlanta, they only gave up eight turnovers and they were disciplined in getting back on defense. They allowed only eight fast break points to the best open court team in the league. So I, I think the Charlotte as a whole, I'm not I, I'm not gonna blame Son Lamell because you know, he's still young. You know, he, he's had an excellent year and he's gonna have time to grow. He's gonna have time to figure out new ways to attack. And same thing for his teammates. Um, You know, I I expected a little bit more out of Miles Bridges, but I think all of them, unfortunately, they didn't seem ready for the moment. The Hawks were ready for the moment. And um, I think it was so obvious that an interior defender, interior presence, they just didn't have that. And that was that was the biggest thing. Capella owned. He absolutely owned the paint. He had 17 rebounds and Charlotte was out rebounded 54 to 41. And that's just something you're not going to survive in a matchup like that, especially with all the shooters that the Hawks have. It just was never going to happen.
1: Mm-hmm. And how do you think now? How how are Atlanta and Cleveland matching up? I think this one is really, really up in the air because I think yeah. Cleveland have the defense to limit the scoring that the Hawks had against against Charlotte. But then again, at the same time, we still have to look to how much scoring do do the Cavs have outside outside of Darius Garland. It's in a one off game. I think this is this is a big big time question mark.
0: Yeah, you know our question mark before was is is Lavert going to show up? And He didn't. Um, you know where where D'Angelo Russell came out of his slump and helped the Timberwolves advance. You saw Lavert shrink and he didn't have the performance they needed from him. So does it happen tonight? I mean, maybe the, Haw- the Hawks have not had a great perimeter defense, but with Hunter playing the way he is and the way that they're going to match up, Hunter will probably draw that assignment. And I don't, I don't think Liverett's going off against Hunter the, the way he looks locked in right now. And does Jared Allen play? That's a big question.
1: Yeah, and how healthy he'll he if he does? That's the, that's the other. Yeah, twelve
0: it. hours for any news, to any Woj bombs to drop. We don't know yet, but there seems to be news that he's healthy enough to come back soon. You got to think that's it, got to be it's got to be tonight. But that'll be huge because Capella just really had his way. The Hawks were able to get on the offensive boards. And I don't think that's going to happen with the Caps. And I think you look at what Trey Young does and how he controls the offense and how he's a real headache for perimeter defenses. I think Garland's doing a lot of those same things. Mm-hmm. So the, Haw- the Hawks are going to have to deal with a creative playmaker and really focus in on that end. And who, who else is going to help out? Mm -hmm. they're they're gonna have their chances Mobley's gonna have his chances against Capello and man if Jared Allen comes back I'm I'm gonna give it to the Cavs I don't that's the biggest x-factor I I think the Cavs their defense their defense soars to another level when there's just nothing you can get at the paint and especially anything near the paint I mean they've defended at the close to the paint the mid-range the way that Jared Allen and Mobley are there together I mean that's just something that you, know, you, you can't predict because we, we don't know if Allen's going to be back yet, but I think they get the win if both those guys are on the floor together.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think I'd agree, and I think it, it would help the offense as well. I think obviously Allen's bigger impact is on defense, but I think the, the Cleveland offense obviously played yeah. through him a lot as well earlier in the season and hasn't yeah. looked the same and, and didn't look great at, for, for large periods against uh, against the Nets either. So I think that's that, that that's absolutely the X factor. So I think I'd agree with you there. Jared Allen's back and he's able to play big minutes. I think. I think Cleveland. Cleveland edges this one.
0: Yeah, John Collins probably won't be back. Um, but for the Hawks, I think beyond this game, I think the Hawks. I think beyond this game, anyone, anyone listening to this and rooting for the Hawks is thinking, you know, just get past the Cavs and what will you do in the playoffs? If they make it past the Cavs here, I think the big thing is you got to get John Collins healthy. But I, I think they're an interesting team that a lot of teams will sleep on. I, I don't. I'm gonna give the advantage to the Heat if they when they end up if they end up facing the Heat. But if John a healthy John Collins is back, I think they match up actually very nicely against the Heat, who everyone will expect to win. But you know, don't sleep. I mean, we saw what this team did last year, and I think they have more than enough talent to figure it out again this year. It just comes down to how much they can compete defensively. It's something they haven't done enough all year. If they can turn that on, that's a big if. But it seems at least against Charlotte, they're able to do that successfully.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it's just a question of, of doing it for more, for more than a one-off game, which has been, been, been the issue all, all year for Atlanta, why, why they are where they are now.
0: And the other team who's had tough time turning on defense all the time are Timberwolves. And man, that was an awesome game. Awesome, awesome game to see them play against Clippers and gut out a win, especially with Cat playing as poorly as he did. Um, we won't even get to that. I, I think that's, that's, been, that's been well covered. But let, let's take a look at this series, Timberwolves versus the Grizzlies. And this is a team that has split their season series two to two. This is a team that they've both competed. They've, it's actually been sequential. One team would win, next team would win, one team would win, the next team would win. Different from a couple of the series we'll cover where, you know, there's clearly a pattern of who was better in the first half or the second half. This team has been evenly matched all year. I mean, what, what's, what's the advantages here for the uh, Timberwolves? Because a lot of people are going to assume the Grizzlies got this in the bag, meaning the two-seed and all. But I think this is going to be a very, very close series.
1: Yeah, 100%. I think uh, especially what we saw in that in that playing game, that yeah. was D'Angelo Russell. If that was a, a sign of things to come, that could be huge. He proved a real X factor for this, for this Timberwolves team. And then, of course, Anthony Edwards looking right at home playing in the biggest game of his career so far yeah. that was a huge bonus for this Timberwolves team and I think a sign of things to come and I think that's that's where they're going to be able to make the difference as well as the fact that you know Cat can't continue to play as bad as he did against, uh, against the Clippers, I think that, that could be a mental mm-hmm. side of things as well I know he's never, well, obviously only played one playoff series before and he, he was bad in that but I think with the with the help he's got around him and and it doesn't have to just be him now, surely he can play a, a, a whole lot better than he did uh, against LA.
0: Yeah. I mean, their three stars have played well against Grizzlies this year. And Cat averaged 23 points, nine rebounds, 2.8 assists, 52% shooting, 38% from three. Edwards averaged 21 points, four assists, 2.8 rebounds, 43%, 44% from three. Russell... Had some of his best performances against the Grizzlies this year. Averaged 31 points, 6.8 assists, 3.5 rebounds, 55.8%, 46.3% from three. These guys really got after it against Memphis this year. So you just look at that alone and you're like, okay, their stars know how to play against this team. They've they've outperformed the Grizzlies stars. If you just look at their averages, Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., Bain, they all had some of their worst performances against them. Rand averaged 15% from three against them, only 20 points. Jaron Jackson Jr. only is averaging 16.8 points against them. Bain had some of his worst shooting nights against them. 26.7% from three for this guy who's, in my mind, I mean, he's a top 10 three-point shooter, top five on any given night. So some of these guys, I mean, there could be shooting luck involved there. I would say if you watch those games, Timberwolves were locked in against the Grizzlies. But I think... Correct some of those numbers, bring those back to the, the, their season averages a bit. and I think these are, the Grizzlies might have an advantage just in terms of their shooting luck going back to normal. But let's just look at matchups in particular. So we talked about Cat just figuring it out. You know, look at the formula that the Clippers had, how they defended Cat, how they frustrated him with bigger wings, and they brought in help in the post. They forced him to make bad decisions. They forced him into foul trouble, and they really put him into every action. Hmm. Dude, double, triple that against the Grizzlies in a <laughs> seven-game series. Cat is gonna have all the pressure in the world, and he has to figure it out. And this is more than just, you know, Cat is no longer a second and third-year player. I mean, he's a veteran. Like he has to demonstrate that he can adapt to the situation because you're not just gonna be getting Nicholas Batum and Robert Cummington on you. You're gonna have Anderson you know dylan brooks you have brandon clark jaron jackson jr is going to shade on him too like he's going to have those guys and then they're going to have weak side health defense just like they did with the clippers except this time it's going to be steven adams (laughs) it's going to be jaron jackson jr the best shot blocker in the nba so he's going to have a really tough time is he is he going to figure it out maybe but it's going to be very tough um and you talk about D'Angelo Russell. I mean, the Clippers, I mean, they, again, they're, they're a good defensive team, but they're not going to bring the same intensity of defense that the Grizzlies are. Is he going to survive seven games of Dylan Brooks in his grill, D'Anthony Melton in his grill? That's, that's going to be tough. I mean, that you look at the, the series this year, and they've been split. But when you – this is one of those situations that regular season and playoffs are very different. When the intensity is just dripping every single game, Maybe for a team like the Grizzlies, like that doesn't change too much from the regular season because that's just their ammo. That's how they that's how they go in, go out every single game. But it's going to be intensified. It's going to be magnified more in a seven game series.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, I think <clears throat> the big thing for for Minnesota is knowing that this is a young Minnesota team, and this is their kind of their first experience in the postseason where they're going to be expected to win. How how do they deal with that? How can they try and take advantage of that? And a big question is: Who's Pat Beverly Garden? Is he going on Ja? Is he going on Bane? What's what's to the play there? How is he going to do what he does to get to get in, into the minds of of, of the uh, of the Memphis stars? And can he have the impact that the team brought him to have, like like he did against LA?
0: I think for for Papov, if I'm, <laughs> this is this is our fun. I I like this game now. We're we're just guessing who we're gonna sick Papov onto. <laughs> He's a rabid dog. I mean, you want somebody to make sure Bain isn't getting into a rhythm. Because so I think that that's that's a Grizzlies X factor. If Desmond Bain can start getting hot from three, I mean that opens up so many things to this Grizzlies team because he does so well to get around screens. He does so well to open things up on the floor. And when he starts to get some gravity, when you have John Rant on the floor, that's tough. That's tough to guard both of that from the perimeter. So you need a guy like Pat Bev who's going to navigate screens very well and really get into the mind of Desmond Bain to stop him from shooting. And I think John Rant, like you got to force, you got to force him to shoot. So mm-hmm. I, I think that, that's going to come down to team defense. Can you provide enough help in the middle? Can you make sure he's not getting in the paint easily? They need to wall off the paint as a team. And that's not going to come from any one individual defender. So I think you can sacrifice a bit um, on the perimeter just putting, I don't know, Anthony Edwards on him. Because Anthony Edwards is gonna do a fine job. And physically, like he's not gonna get, you know, dominated in the post. And I think he has a quick jump. He has a very quick jump just like John Morant. And that's usually what a lot of defenders struggle with, is because you know, one misstep and John Moran is just off the floor, already at the basket at the rim. But I think he has a chance physically to do that. But you know, Timberwolves. I mean, that's what they got to do: force man to shoot, force Memphis to score outside of the paint, and they have to, have to, have to take care of the basketball. That's that's my yeah. thing. If you if you look at these other games, that's what it came down to: paint points and turnovers. In every single game they played this year, the team that scored the most in the paint won. The team that gave up the least amount of turnovers, the least points off turnovers, won. So whoever was the most responsible with the basketball, whoever was scoring inside. I mean, this is basketball one on one, but it, especially with these two teams who are who are dominant one's dominant from the perimeter, one's dominant from the interior—it'll be interesting how they match up. But those are the two things that have definitely stayed true over the course of the season. Mm.
1: Two top scoring teams in the NBA this uh, this year. Something, something's gonna have to, something's gonna have to give, or else we're gonna have yeah. some seriously fun high scoring games. Uh, however, however long. Uh, Wherever long the series goes, which uh, will will definitely make it a lot of fun. I think that I like the the way the pace that Memphis play with as well. Yeah. Can can Minnesota deal with that? Are they going to be prepared to be able to deal with that over a longer stretch than just just a one off game? That that could be that could be a big uh, a big factor too. But who, who are you taking? Who are you taking over seven games?
0: Ah, and it's tough. I think what we're going to see too is. Jenkins against who who's going to be the coach to, to figure this out over seven games series is one of their. So there's not a there's not a a lot of history to go off of for both these guys as head coaches, at least. But I think I got to go Grizzlies because that that that's what it comes down to. What team is going to take care of the ball? I think I'm I'm going to trust what the Grizzlies have done, sharing the ball, John Morant controlling the pace and especially what they get out of their other ball handlers. They've been good with the, with uh, their turnovers this year. Who's going to score more in the paint? I'm taking the Grizzlies. Mm. I'm yeah. taking the Grizzlies, especially with how with how the Timberwolves have fallen apart at times this year. Like you said, in the open court, their half-court defense, amazing. But how they're not going to be able to do that for seven games, I don't think. I think they're going to have plenty of times where they're going to have a bad three-point shooting night. And when the Timberwolves can't shoot the three, a lot of the things on their offense fall apart. That's on Cat. Mm-hmm. I mean, Cat like Cat's not going to all of a sudden become an amazing, <laughs> an amazing interior scorer, but I, it's not because of skill. I think it's because of decision making. You need Finch really needs to focus in on Cat becoming patient in the low post and playmaking from there, and choosing when to get aggressive because that that's just been his downfall, and we saw it against the Clippers. And he can't he cannot do that. In this series, it's going to come down to him, like you said, figuring things out. This is on him.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. One thing I like is the fact that Morant and, and Anthony Edwards are quite similar type of players. They both they both thrive in the paint. They both have that serious jump, that serious athleticism. But one advantage Edwards has is you could probably be a bit more confident in his in his shooting. Yeah. So if true. Memphis try to tempt him into shooting. That could work uh, in Minnesota's favor, but I think I'm going with Grizzlies in probably six games. I think this could be a yeah. similar sort of series to to what LA and Dallas has been over over the last uh, the last couple of seasons.
0: Yeah, it, you know how how often do we see momentum carryover in games? That's so huge in the playoffs, and I think Memphis just thrives thrives off these situations and momentum. And it's going to come down to spirit. If, if the Timberwolves can really grasp that, that spirit that they had this is going to be a close series, but I wonder how this is going to be a big test of that. Can you carry that through seven games? I know Memphis is going to, they've carried that all season, man. They've, they've embraced that. Look at how they played without job. Um, yeah. You got to cut me off for talking Grizzlies cause I'll just talk all day about them, but, <laughs> but I'll take Grizzlies in six. I'll take Grizzlies in six. And if it's not in six, Cat did something amazing and did something he hasn't done all year.
1: True that, true that. All right, next matchup, we got Warriors against Nuggets. Steph looking likely to be able to return for game one. Clay Thompson has, has finally got back to a bit of consistent form yeah. on the floor. How's this one going to go? The season series, Nuggets won at 3-1. How much, can that, how much of an impact do you think those games will have when we get to this series? Well,
0: I mean, you, I like that you mentioned Clay. We you got to mention Poole, too. He's been on a hit of 26 mm-hmm. points a game in the last 15, 5.7 assists, and he's been shooting very efficiently. Thompson, he's been shooting efficiently, too. I, with those two guys on, you can deal with a little bit of rust from Steph Curry. And when Steph Curry is there, when Draymond Green is there, I mean, it's not much of a debate. I think the the thing is with the season series is that there was not a single game where they had Draymond Green and we've already documented very well how their defense falls apart without him, which is, it's crazy. It's crazy, but they they go from a top three defense to a very middling defense without Draymond Green and especially against Jokic that gets magnified by a thousand. Jokic is going to have his way with them whenever he's on the court. That's no question. They don't have the size for him but they do have the team defense for him, especially with Draymond Green. So they're going to be able to slow him down. He's not going to be as dominant as he was with no Draymond there for the season series. But I don't think that the Nuggets just don't have enough scoring outside of Jokic. Jokic is a lead leading by a million miles, plus 16.3 points for possession. He's on the floor. They go from the best offense in the league to the third worst without him. Defensively too, they're fifth best with him on the floor. The 22nd league without him. I mean, they they just need they need their contributors back. They need Michael Porter Jr. healthy, obviously. They need Murray healthy. This would have been an amazing series if both of them had come back you know, a couple of months ago started to get warmed up. But as we know, that's not going to happen, and it's going to be unfortunate. It's going to be another MVP caliber year from Jokic, and I, I just don't think they have enough offensive firepower to keep up. And when Jokic comes off the floor, you know the wheels are going to fall off.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at this as uh, sort of LeBron in 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 Cleveland sort of buzz when I look at uh, Jokic and, and, the, and the current way the Nuggets are at the moment cause, because they're star players, other star guys are, are out injured. And Jokic, Jokic loves, it, loves it in the postseason. He's always been as successful in the postseason as, as he has uh, during the regular season. But does he have it in him to carry the team like we saw that level of, of a LeBron uh, do in the past and can the role players that have been stepping up huge can they do that in in a seven game series against a well experienced and well coached team like the Golden State Warriors probably not, if, if they did it, it would be absolutely unbelievable and I think they will they will probably go take this series a lot longer than the warriors wanted to go but i think the warriors will just have the edge as long as as long as they all stay healthy and as long as uh as curry can come back and uh and be the guy that he was for for most of the season
0: uh let's I, i'm going to absolutely agree i'll say warriors in 6 but let's paint the picture for the nuggets what what can they do to win this Jokic averaged 28, 16, and nine against them, but he was only shooting seventeen percent from three. It was abysmal. Mm-hmm. And so there's another level. There's another level that Jokic should not reach offensively. That you know he's a he's a near forty percent three point shooter. I mean he's going to he's going to figure that out in the seven game series. And the Nuggets, you know, they've shot a really bad thirty percent from three in their uh, in their possessions against the Warriors this year. So if if Warriors are and they will send help. Can their three-point shooters shoot to their average over the course of a seven-game series? And, you know, <laughs> we're, we're, we're just talking miracles. What, what miracles can happen realistically for the Nuggets to figure this out? Bones Highland, rookie. I mean, he's he's had some very impressive performances across the year and especially of late. And is he going to have a coming-out party? I mean, Will, Will Barton's got some performances in him. You know, the, the chances of all these things coming together over the course of seven game series is unlikely, but it's a playoffs. You gotta have hope somewhere. And the Nuggets are massive underdogs here in this situation with the Warriors getting healthy, but they've got some guys who can put out some performances. And Jokic, I think, is gonna have a massive series, especially against an under an undersized warrior squad. So there's there's always going to be a puncher's chance there with Jokic's under team.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think he's probably going to have to play that little bit of extra time than he probably has during during the regular season. I think you'll you'll have no problem with that. And I think I think I think they'll go seven, but I I'm still going with the with the Warriors as long as they remain healthy through throughout the throughout the series. But Bones Highland, yeah, we kind of need to see him have almost like a Jason Tatum, Tyler Hero, rookie playoff sort of performance. That's that's what he's going to have yeah, to deliver if they're going to yeah. if they're going to cause upsets here.
0: Yep, all that said, Warriors and six. Jazz maps. Are the Utah Jazz going to suffer an entire postseason where their names are only talked about in breaking up their team? That's the question. We can't even get into the first game of this series without there already being posts about you know should they blow it up, blah blah blah. They haven't even played a minute of playoff basketball yet, guys. Come on, let's relax. Let's, let's just talk basketball for now. So Luka's going to sit out game one. Jazz have to steal that game, right? 100%. 100%. They have to. And very likely that you know Luca could miss too. And I, I was telling you this off air that those cap strains, are no, they're no joke. You do not want to play around the cap strains. We've seen, you know, Marcus Cousins started out with cap strain. And Kevin Durant started out with cap strain. You don't want to play around with these skills. Kobe Bryant started out with cap strain. Like this is well-documented. You do not... Get your stars on the fourth and their calves aren't healthy. That's how you that's how you get to catastrophic injury. So they they have to play the safe. If two games needs to be the rest period, they're gonna do it. Jalen Brunson, Spencer Dinwiddie, they've looked great on the court this season. Are they gonna be able to do it by themselves for a couple games? Can they survive a couple games? I, I think I think they can, especially defensively. Yeah. I think mean, the mass has slipped a little bit. The end of the season, but for all of 2022, since they really started getting hot from the beginning of the year, they've been the fourth best offense, fourth best defense in, uh, in rating. Lucas improved to 36.5% from three. I mean, he's he's been shooting better. 46%, it's, it's not his best mark of the year, but it's just ridiculous volume, putting up 30 points a game on a near triple-double. He'll come back third game at minimum. And from there on, I think he controls the series. But they just have to survive two games without him. That's that's the that's the ask of this Mavericks team.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And it's it's well it's well set up, especially because the biggest strength of this this Dallas team this year compared to the last couple of years is their defense. And Dimwili slotting in instead of Doncic on the defensive end is something that can that can happen without without too much notice. they they can still be a high a high-level defensive team, even without Luka Doncic, it's going to have an impact on offense, no doubt about that. But if they can even just split the first two games, that'll be a huge success mm-hmm. if they're playing both those games without without Luka Doncic. And hopefully, we just get to see see Doncic, uh, a healthy Doncic playing, because I mean, his his numbers in the in the postseason. Have been something you could argue we haven't really seen since since MJ came on the scene in the playoffs and just went off. Obviously, it took a while to win. Just like Luca, he he uh, lost the last two years to to the Clippers, and I think hoping this year is the year they're gonna they're gonna win uh, their first playoff series since uh, since their title year. And that's only gonna happen if, if Luca can come back uh, can come back and actually and actually be healthy, not just come back for because it's the playoffs and 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 they need them because this is still a Utah team as much as they've set off they they're still the number one rated offense for the year and the number nine rated defense there's still a serious amount of talent here and they've got all the role players back the, the team is ready to go and if bubble if bubble level Donovan Mitchell can come out then 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 they've got something here
0: I know you say it for the year, and I think th- this is this is an interesting thing to look at across time. I, I haven't seen any anyone do any work on this, but what what is more predictive of of a team's success in the postseason, the second half or the first half? I think mean, post All Star break is kind of funky because like there's a lot of teams resting. There's a lot of you know guys who're not really giving their all. The seating's already done. That's changed a little bit with the playing tournament. You know, their their team's still fighting for their lives. There there are at least four or five, six more teams fighting for their lives at the end of the season. So it's not like it was in tanking years. But, you know, there is something to be said for momentum going into the playoffs and your identity going into the playoffs. What question marks are there? And, man, the Jazz have just unearthed way more question marks than they have at the beginning of the season. And you talked about their – that's how good they were the first half of the season. I mean, they they looked just as good as they were past seasons, but this second half of the year has been rough for them. They have slipped to tenth in that rating, thirteenth in defensive rating, and they end the year at game below five hundred. And they've just lost too many close games, too many close games. And you know that this series is going to be a big question for what they should do moving forward. It absolutely is. I mean that I I hate that I hate that we can't talk about basketball without it. Just coming down to, oh, is this guy gonna leave? Is he gonna leave the team? Blah blah blah. Because it, it is, it is frustrating to see that for the Jazz that have a special pairing between Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert. But it's legitimate to ask, is it gonna work in the long term? And it's gonna specifically come down to this matchup here because the Mavs. I mean, they're gonna have to find secondary answers, play without Doncic, and they're probably gonna do it by playing small, throwing Dinwiddie in there, and then they're gonna have Bertans or Kleber at the five, try and stretch out the floor force Gobert to play at the perimeter. So is Gobert going to adapt in a playoff series, which is the thing that people have said he cannot do. Can't adapt. He's not going to play different style. You know, if he's not out, if he's not out there defending the drop, is he still is an effective defender out there switching. And I th- I think he can do it. I I will say this against the Mavs, a team that's going to try and play small, you got to remember that Cleaver's shooting a worst 20% from three in the last i think it's the last 15 games last 15 20 games so if they if the mavs want to play small they want to try and stretch the floor i think the the jazz are actually going to have a little bit of wiggle room so it'll be interesting to see how they choose to counter that part of it but offensively is a bigger question if the mavs are playing small is gobert going to be able to take advantage of those matchups and play in the post is that that would be very different jazz do not play like that and maybe they have to Maybe they have to force it to go bear <laughs> Well, how many clips are we going to see of Mitchell dribbling the ball, looking to the corner and seeing <laughs> seeing Gobert just, like, asking for the ball on the post? How many clips are we going to see of that? And then let's just be like, yeah, no, I'm just going to dribble away from this. <laughs> Anytime it happens, it's going to be all over Twitter. <laughs> yeah, no
1: doubt about that. It's, it's – it's the first the first couple of games of this series, obviously we only know for sure at the moment that it's – one game minus Luca, and it'll likely be two. But we'll see where this, where the commitment is of not just the the head coach of Utah, but but some of the star players as well. Are their heads still here? Are they? Do they still have belief in in succeeding with this team? Because the second they heard Luca Doncic is out of that first game, they should be licking their lips. They should be so excited to get out on that floor and steal and steal a road win. So it, it, we're, we, you're going to know wh- wh- where this Utah team is at after the, after the first game, even if it's not a win, just by the, the level of performance that, that they're able to put in, we'll know where this Utah team is at and if they're capable of beating, beating this Dallas team. Yeah, mental toughness. That's what it'll come down
0: to. Um, similar game, similar game, I, I think. When you look at the Raptors 76ers, let's move out east. I love this series. I love the series. I'll, I'll let you start because I, I know you're gonna get you're gonna get on the uh, your soapbox and preach and beat. But uh, the the series like this is gonna be come down to can the Raptors win a couple games? Can they figure things out? I I'm gonna have a very different take I think than you on this.
1: Yeah, it's it's possible, but I mean the Raptors are coming into this as uh, probably the most formed team in, in the league. They they finished out the season with a 14 and four run. Mm-hmm. Got up into that uh into that fifth place. They won this season series three to one. Mm-hmm. And they know how to I not gonna say nullify mm-hmm. Joel Embiid because no one can really do that. But they definitely know how to make him work for his bu- for his buckets and make it and, and, and frustrate him get the ball out of his hands. So I'm not even gonna talk about a beat here. I'm gonna look at Tobias Harris and James Harden. Mm-hmm. They gotta step mm-hmm. up. They really this is this is a series that's set up for the two of them to be the lead guys for the Philadelphia Philadelphia 76ers and James Harden. Man, man, let's see why we made the trade. Let's see, let's see what you can still do. Are you past it or are you still the dude?
0: Yeah. Harden, I mean, he's played horribly against the Raptors this year. And he's really struggled these past couple of seasons. It's, he's really just just lost that first step. And that's really made him struggle against these bigger defenders who he used to just blow by before. But I mean, just look at his averages here 41% from the floor, 22% from three. And numbers, I mean, you're, you're going to see 19.3 points, 10.3 assists, 7 point, um, 10.3 rebounds, 7.7 assists, rather. Good numbers but the efficiency is not there and you're not going to survive a seven game series shooting like that. And that's always, that's always the gripe is, you know, he's getting, he's getting his numbers, but the efficiency is not there and the ball is going to need to be in his hands. And unless you're going to give it over to Maxi. because, you know, if Harden doesn't have the ball in his hands, what is he doing on the floor? And man, he's just no pun intended, but Harden's just really taking a step back. <laughs> like, mm-hmm he's he's not looked like the same player and you ju- we just keep looking for him maybe we'll find him in the playoffs i hope we find him in the playoffs because like harden's a great player and he's been so controversial the past couple of years just because of what has happened off the court but you know you'd want to see one of the greats get back to it but i don't think it's happening against this this Raptors team i mean no, no one's picking them to have a chance and i don't get it you know that they, they're gonna have to scrap hustle and get lucky to survive and beat, but you know, like we said, Harden's taking a step back and the Raptors have the elite defensive skill and they have complete effort and they've shown it the past 20 games. They have an unlimited supply of massive wings to throw out there defensively. and The 76ers don't do well with that. Maxey is proven score already, but is he going to do that against a whole host of bigger players all game long? I think defensively that they're going to be able to stop their primary scores from doing what they do. And I don't think the 76ers have enough shooting. They don't have enough shooting without Seth Curry right now. And it shows. Dan- Danny Green's not that guy anymore. Look at what the Raptors did uh, offensively. They were plus seven in rebounds. And they had 14 more attempted shots a game in this series against 76ers. For, for a team that has Joel Embiid, you think they're not getting out-rebounded, not getting out-shot like that. And the Raptors, check this out. They are a second in the league in offensive rebounding. That – That blows my mind. So I I think that, you know, Doc has said they're probably going to lean more on Paul Reed. So it'll it'll be interesting. Paul Reed's going to have his hands full. Yeah. And you, man, you got on me for making that uh, prediction that Willie Colley Stein would be a good player on the team. Yes, he would. That was their mistake for letting him go for DeAndre freaking Jordan, who has a highlight reel of standing around doing nothing more than (laughs) rebounds this year. It's insane. (laughs) This is going to be tough. Um, Another thing, 76ers allow the fourth most points per possession in transition. That's fourth worst. And the Raptors, they're right. They're only right around league average and points per possession in, in transition. But I mean, the potential for growth in production there is massive because they were second in fast break possessions behind Memphis this year. They really get out and run. So that if the Raptors can really up their intensity and they can rely on getting on the open court, they can continue boarding as well as they have. I think mean, they have they have a chance there. They have a chance to get into big leads early on, especially if Harden shoots as bad as he does. You know, yeah,
1: yeah, hundred percent. And and let's not forget, no Matisse tyble in games three and four in Toronto. That's yeah. that's Philly without without one of their best defenders for that's that's on a defense that's already. Had, had its uh, had its struggles. Let's say uh, since uh, since Harden's come in, especially. So that's that that could be another big difference maker for the Raptors. Imagine they go, they 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 split the series. The, the first two games in Philly? There's a lot of pressure on this Philadelphia team, and the Raptors are absolutely primed to be able to come in and take advantage of that. Didn't want to go too big on Embiid, but it's not. It wasn't all just Ben Simmons in, in the playoffs the last couple of years. So, Joel, you want to be the MVP, you are the scoring champion. It's time time to do it, time to do it in the postseason. And maybe it's not his scoring that has the biggest impact here, maybe it is his his playmaking when he gets yeah. double-teen, triple-teen, whatever the the Raptors throw at him, can he find the passes? Can he find the plays to make sure that the the 76ers are still able to score even if it's not all him?
0: Yeah. And I, I will say this, Embiid's played so much better in the post, it, playing through doubles this year. Um, they're averaging 76, they're averaging 1.1 points per possession, which is good. It's it's not it's not a great mark, it's a good mark. I don't think that's a, a game-winning formula to just survive him getting doubled all game, but he's played better through it. Um, but I think it'll come down to that, the passing. But defensively, I think that's where Embiid is going to be the biggest – x-factor yeah. because if you can keep the Raptors out of the paint I think that makes things a little bit harder for them they have a lot of guys who they need to you know can Siakam survive off of just jump shoot jump shots yeah. can OG Ananobi keep shooting the way he has I, I think they I think they have enough printer defense to keep some of their shooters at bay but if they let the Raptors just get inside the paint if they let their wings just have open lanes then it's going to be a tough night. So Embiid's really got to shut down the paint for the 76ers, especially because of how bad the 76ers perimeter defense has been. So that, that's going to come down to him. And it's not a fair asking, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's
0: not fair. We, we wanted Embiid to have help and now he has Harden and now we're talking about how it's all on Embiid. Yeah. But Harden's got to step up offensively and it's going to come down to him. And I, I honestly, I, I have to pick... I have to pick the 76ers and six because it'd be ridiculous to, to be predicting Embiid to lose this kind of matchup, but this is going to be a grueling series. It's going to be a grueling series. And I think it's going to expose their weaknesses after the trade. And unfortunately, you know what? My prediction was wrong. I I thought that Harden being there would unlock a lot. And there's still, there's still a lot of question marks swirling this team.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I think I'll, I'll go a little bit better. I'll, I'll go for I'll go for for Philly in in five games, but I think, Philly in five, okay. <laughs> I think this series is gonna take a, a tell, take a hell of a lot out of them. There's no no doubt about that. And I think they'll be, they could end up doing it in five or six, but they'll they'll feel as exhausted as if it went to seven games with multiple multiple overtimes yeah. each night.
0: Yeah, it's, it's gonna and B, it's gonna be he's gonna be just pummeled all game long. So it's gonna be it's gonna to be tough for him. How about Net Celtics?
1: Skipping right over Milwaukee Bulls there. Yeah? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Save best for last. All right, all right. Net Celtics. I think that's that's arguably the the biggest series of the first round. Ooh. These are both teams that are under serious pressure to go on a playoff run this year. Say what you want about where the Nets finish up, the different issues they've had throughout the year. They're set now. They might even get Ben Simmons back for this uh, late in this series. And they are still a team that people expect to go on a run. They still have the two of the best scorers in the NBA. They're expected to make a challenge to go all the way this year. And Boston, it's time for Tatum and Brown to... Make a big splash in the playoffs. There is there is a lot riding on this game, and I think this could be a really really legendary playoff series.
0: Especially Tatum this is a, this is a proving ground for Tatum. He's shown he's really wanted it. He's really wanted it in these uh, in his series against the this year. Averaged thirty four points a game against him this season. Brown had a, has a tougher time against Rant this year. He hasn't shown it as much, but. He's going to step up. I think an interesting wrinkle here is the injuries. Simmons may come back game four. Williams may come back game five. That might be a little tougher. But both of those guys, huge impact defenders for both these teams. One of them, obviously, Simmons we haven't seen in a game yet. But how do you think that their return might change the dynamic of this? So where does Do the Celtics and Nets split without either of those players? Or, or the Nets
1: overmatched. That's uh, that's it's it's a tough one because, but we've seen that since since Kyrie since I rejoined uh, joined Brooklyn from from Boston, he, he's he's not always been too comfortable when when uh, when playing back in there, back in TD Garden there. So if, if those if those struggles continue, that could be a big impact, and that puts puts that extra bit of pressure on Kevin Durant, which is he he's more than comfortable. Though, uh, with taking, but I think they'll they'll need both those guys doing what they do to to come out on the right side here. And they definitely need Curry and Mills to find their to find their shooting touch, which they haven't they have not had at all of late.
0: Mm. I, I I think that when it comes down to scoring, Celtics will keep up. Yeah. Celtics will keep up. And defensively they have all the answers they need for the Nets. You know, they're obviously not going to stop Kyrie. They're not going to stop Durant. But I think Nets take one game without Simmons. Simmons comes back in game four. I think people are underestimating how big of a factor that will be. All he needs to do is rebound, defend, playmaking the open floor, cut to the basket. Like, they just throw him in a Nick Claxon role. That does a lot. That does a lot, especially when you have to rely on Tatum to be your go-to scorer. And that will change things a bit. When, when, when Tatum will be forced to face defense like Ben Simmons, you know I, I think obviously Tatum still figured out how to score in this league, so it's not going to completely take him out. But it's going to be an additional challenge, and Simmons is going to provide that. But Williams, th- this will be the really interesting thing. And so say Simmons comes back game four, Williams comes back game four, and you have both of them on the court because these are two X factor defenders. Like they'll, they'll really be game breakers. Cause if Simmons is on the floor, look at what Rob Williams has done against teams that have a non-shooter. I mean, he is, I mean, he's far and away in my mind, the best health defender of the league. I mean, you're not getting anything in the paint. If you have a non-shooter out there, if Ben Simmons is out there and Rob Williams is out there, I mean, he's going to be hunting everybody on that floor unless Ben Simmons is doing something. So that, that'll be a tough challenge for Ben Simmons to immediately have to adapt to a situation where he might get played off the floor offensively. And same thing, honestly, for uh, for, the, for the Nets, if, if they can have Ben Simmons play that role. So it, it'll be really fascinating to see how both of these teams try and outmatch each other if both those guys are on the floor. And hopefully they both get healthy soon, because I think this, this would be a really good matchup with both of them out there. But as things as they stand, the way the Celtics have been playing, I mean I got to take Celtics in 7.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking I'm thinking the exact same. I think it's I think this is going the distance because of KD and Kyrie and that could be uh, stretched out to to Ben Simmons if he gets back and then Robert Williams having that impact for Boston too, but I think uh, the 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 combination of two-way play from Boston will just give them that edge. Home court advantage could prove big for them as well. And uh, I think I think I'll agree. I think that think it's going the distance, but Boston are taking it.
0: Yep. Um, all right, we can we can get to the box scores. That's fine. We'll <laughs> finish there. What do you want to say? What do you want to talk
1: about? Well, what to talk about? let's just uh, I'm just gonna have to lay it out and be be cruel to you here. But the season series was went four 0 Milwaukee, and I think this series is gonna go that exact same way. The
0: box reality is. I mean, right now, Giannis is just toying with teams. I mean, (laughs) he's like testing out sidestep threes, pull up jumpers from three, turnarounds from the baseline, just toying with teams, doing things that you don't see him do all the time. And he's leveling up. Can't wait to see this evolve in the next few years. Drew and Chris, they're in a rhythm right now. They just look fresh, ready to go. Brooke Lopez, huge that he's healthy. And now you just added Bobby Portis to the bench. He's played just as well. And this team's this team's loaded for another championship run and they should they should emerge as championship favorites here. I mean that this should be a reality check to the league that they're gonna sweep they sweep the bulls and they just they look like the team to beat. Um but let's talk bulls hopes there's always hope always hope just like the Nuggets have hope in that in their situation against the Warriors I think you know this season isn't ultimately about winning this series against the defending champs because that, that wasn't realistic yet. And I, I think that's, that's that's an okay sp- pill for Bulls fans to swallow because this season wasn't about competing for a championship. I think the season was getting this team back on track. And they have. They've exceeded every expectation already. And, you know, they've missed their mark in the second half of the season, which is absolutely disappointing. You don't blame it on injury because we should have been deep enough to survive that, and that's something we'll address in the offseason. But we've built a team that you can go into the playoffs and look for growth. You can look for growth. And, look, you got Caruso and Pat Williams healthy. To see them both on the floor defensively against the Bucs, we've only seen it once. And we'll see what they can do there. I mean, both both those guys are tremendous defenders. And I think Pat Williams needs this challenge. He needs to be in a playoff series where he faces Giannis. That's something he needs to do. You see all the best wings figure that out early on. Jason Tatum doing it early on against LeBron James. I want to see Pat Williams challenged. I want to see him have to compete and probably lose. I mean, he's going to have to experience this. He's going to have to experience a playoff series where this happens. And same thing with Levine. it's is going to be his first playoff series. And you have, I, I think you can point to hope in that you have defense from Caruso and Pat Williams. And you look at how Pat Williams, when he plays aggressive, if he, if he can channel that, and if he can channel that, and I know it was against a, a Timberwolves squad that was resting, but when you see, him when he's confident, he just has that mindset to attack, he can be a special player. Not, am I gonna predict that it emerges against the defending champs in a four, in a seven-game series? Maybe not. <laughs> but but if you can at least get some flashes out of that, you have a chance. I mean, Levine has been the best scorers in the league when he's healthy. Does he did he have enough time here to rest up his knee? Can you get another Wilt Chamberlain-like performance from from Namar DeRozan? Can Vuch stop missing wide open shots? <laughs> can kobe white stop missing wide open shots maybe i would assume him stops looking like a rookie even though he is a lot of unlikelies but i think that makes this fun there's i think there's no there's no expectations it's just these guys getting their first taste of the playoffs in the first winning season in a while that's important and we do it we do it against the box we do it against a team that's going to challenge us, and this is going to be a learning lesson. That that's that's what it comes down to. You know, the team's going to learn, they're going to grow, they're going to add in the offseason, and I think they'll have this as a reference for. You know, they lost against the best. And you got to go through the best to be the best. So why not lose to the best and learn from it and regroup next season? So I mean, bucks and five. <laughs> Sorry.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay. No. 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 You made. You made. You made. You made. You made good points there. No doubt. I think it was it was huge for the Bulls just to get back into the into the postseason this year and to give some of their young guys some playoff experience. One thing I will say, it's almost better to go in with no hopes than with high hopes, like I did last year. So yeah, it's uh, that, that that's okay. They, they they can't really they can't really break your heart at this stage, which uh, which the Knicks more more than did last year. But um, no, I think uh, it's going to be interesting. I think, yeah, five games wouldn't wouldn't be crazy. I don't think they'll, they'll go much more than that. But who's going to be the go-to scorer, do you think, for your Bulls? Do you think it's still going to be DeRozan, or do you think there'll be more attention on him, and that's where Levine is going to be able to find his groove?
0: Yeah, and I, I think this comes down to scouting, right? And everything we're talking about is pretty much obvious for any scouting department in the NBA. Like, <laughs> we're, we're not discussing nuance to a professional level like that, so... What's the reality right now? Levine is not completely healthy. DeMar DeRozan has struggled a little bit against uh, double teams. Like, obviously, like, he's getting he's getting doubled the second the ball touches his hands five feet from the perimeter. <laughs> like, so he's going to have a tough time being as efficient as he has been because he's going to get doubled from the start. So then it comes down to Levine. It, it, it's going to absolutely come down to him having – the best playoff series that he's never had the chance to have before. <laughs> and can Vooch, Vooch, has to have a good game. He has to have a good game. One, <laughs> just give me one because we traded for him last year with the, with the playoffs in mind, we traded for him to stretch the floor and he's not come close to his potentially one-off three-point shooting year last season which is it's scary. It's scary to think that he's just fallen off a cliff because maybe this is just the player he is shooting closer to his uh, average for his career. But he has to stretch the floor, he has to hit open threes. He he has to be aggressive in the paint. And these this is going to this is going to draw questions in the offseason because the young guys, you just want to see them compete. You you want to see them get a taste of it, thrive through it, adapt to it. And I'll, you'll even give that to Levine a little bit. But you know think think about and really think about Vuce and think about Demar Derozan. This is huge for them. This is absolutely huge for them from a career perspective, right? I mean, th- these are guys that have been really just, I mean, just completely written off. Like they're not. They're looked at as good players on bad teams, and they were not given the chance to really be looked at as anything besides that. Um, so. I'm I really, really interested to see if they can figure this out, because Vooch, I mean, he's he's had a good he's had some good playoff experience. I'll be with the Orlando Magic. I mean, he's had to go through the freaking Toronto Raptors, the championship Toronto Raptors, the same team that Demar Derozan was jettisoned from.
1: Good playoff experience, Orlando Magic. No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> not working for me. <laughs>
0: I mean, listen, he he faced. Gasol, Ibaka, Siakam, and Kawhi. I mean, the, the top defense in the league. And, you know, w- when he did that the first time, he re- really, really struggled. And then when he had to face Giannis and Brooke Lopez in 2019-20, I mean, he did they did lose in five, but he put up 28 points a game, 11 rebounds a game, four assists a game, 50% from the field, 41% from three. That's the last time he faced uh, this Bucks team, albeit they did not have Drew Holiday. So I, I think there's obvious growth from how he played in his second playoff series and his first, we won't even talk about those numbers. So they're pretty damn bad. But again, that was the Raptors, Those championship Raptors. So I, I think he's got something to prove. He's got something to prove playoffs. Zero, zero. All right.
1: Same so, public. B- doubt. B- is going to take down Giannis. That's it. That's it. That's the hot take. There we go. No, Pat Williams, Pat Williams oh, is going to take down. Giannis. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, that, that I think that think think that that is very very interesting uh very interesting uh, re, uh preview of the first round matchups. We didn't really get to the 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 number one seed. I, I'll be I'll be honest with you. I think no matter who both Phoenix or Miami are facing, I'd be fairly confident in them both uh, both sweeping in 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 the first round, especially if Fox. Uh, Fox. I don't know. Playoff Jimmy comes back, comes to play, and uh, tighter Hero is still keeping up his scoring. I think, yeah, uh, I, I think, I think they'll be okay.
0: Yeah, well, that that will be that will be an interesting one. I think people need to give Hawks heat a little more credit. But hey, Cavs, Cavs, Hawks isn't over yet. Let's let's not uh let's not count kind of out your boys yet. No,
1: no. Hopefully, hopefully the hopefully the Cavs get there. But I'd say going up against that Miami team, it's a definite. Uh, Definite uh, sweep with the inexperience and the lack of scoring variety. I think then I'd be uh, I'd be extremely confident in Miami yeah. doing doing the job there.
0: Well, this has been fun, everybody. Thank you for uh, staying with us. We covered all of our previews and our predictions are locked in. Except except for Hawks Heat, I, I, unless we're going to look past them. I, I think I think I'm going to if we predict the Hawks, I'm going to predict Hawks and seven against the Heat. But we'll lock that in. Suns, Suns 4, 4 4-0 against the Pals. So we're locking that in. Pals are winning that game. And uh, we'll see who's wrong. Probably both of us, as (laughs) usual. But I can't wait to dive into the playoffs this weekend. Everyone have a great time. Have a great weekend. Thanks for joining us again. And we will see you on our next episode of Coast to Coast.
1: thanks for joining us on today's episode of coast to coast don't forget to hit us up on instagram and twitter at coast to coast nba podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show and remember take every shot and love every moment